you are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. Well, good morning, church. We really miss you guys. Good grief. And here we are, and, and of all people and places, they get to pick me to be able to bring God's word. Uh, well, I think the, if the Lord used Balaam and the donkey, maybe he can use me. We'll see. But I've been praying for you guys for so much. Uh, let me ask you a question. If we use the, the association game, you know, if I say a word and then you will, would respond to a certain thing. If I said real or fake, what are some of the things that may just pop up in your mind? Well, you might say real or fake news. You may say real or fake diamonds. You may say real or fake $100 bills. Of course, that's when they come up. I've seen it done. Where they get there and they mark it and put up the light and that kind of stuff. They may say real or fake N95s. Who even knew much about N95s except we found some in our shed one time, and I don't even know why we were saving it, but for such a day like this. But there are some fake N95s these days, and there are some ways to figure out how to figure out if they are the right, the real thing. The, what they say is there's a, the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, the NIOSH, that brand should be on there, and there should be a approval number that should be on there. All kinds of little things it could say, this is the real thing, and this is, gives you the maximum amount of safety. There, we could also, in the real versus fake, say, what about believers? Are there real and fake believers? Of course there are. And I, I pray that we all fall into the, the real thing. But sometimes we have to kind of just step back and see, what are some of the things that the, the Bible teaches about being a genuine believer? We've been studying through Acts, and uh, I believe that Acts gives us a picture of, of a church. If I was going to ask you, what is the perfect church? I'm not sure we all know. <laughs> we are certainly not a perfect church because there are imperfect people in there. Many times people would go back and say, it's the very first church that was the perfect church. I'm not sure I would gr- agree completely with that. They were in their birthing pains, and there's a lot of things that was happening. There was some very exciting things that was happening, for sure, with the Holy Spirit coming and lots of people coming to know the Lord. But there were still some things that just kind of reared its ugly head. And we're going to look at some of that today. Um, you know, Acts is a good model for the church. I have heard it being called descriptive versus prescriptive. And what that means is, it is describing the role of the church on how we spread the gospel, but it doesn't necessarily mean every specific thing it does is exactly what we're supposed to do. Now, take that as you want. I, I took that as being that we are still to be a church who goes out and, and makes the world known about uh, uh, who, who Jesus is in our own lives. Um, I want to kind of go back just a couple of chapters. We're going to be in chapter 4 if you're going to be getting your, your, your Bible out from there. But in chapter 3, 
we see Peter and John come down the street, and there's a beggar. And he says, please give me money. And that's the old thing. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Right. That dates me back in my early church days. But it's still that, that era that we see in chapter 3. He, the beggar is healed. He goes to the church. The, the people are saying, what's going on? And Pete, uh, Peter has a chance to speak in the temple. And he, he talks a lot about repentance. He talks about you, you have to repent and turn your ways. Well, the principal's office, that we call the council then, said you need to come up here. We need to have an interview. And they talked with them and, and threatened them and said at the end that you have to, let's get this right, warn them not to speak in his name again. And they responded in Acts chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. But we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. I hope that is what we are as a church. We cannot speak of what we have seen and heard and what's happened in, in our own lives. Um, and then farther down in that, in that chapter, this would be in chapter 4, uh, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The purpose of the filling of the Holy Spirit was to give them boldness to speak of what they had had seen and heard, what they had witnessed in their own lives. You know, Pastor Lee has been teaching previously through some of this Acts, and he's talked about how we are an empowered people, empowered by God through the Holy Spirit, how we are a proclaiming people. We are sharing the good news, what we have seen and heard, that we are serving people, and that we are praying people. Today we are going to take that another little ramp, and we're going to see that we are a generous and a giving people. Many of you are so giving, and I thank the Lord for you and how you demonstrate that in, in the kingdom. Um, you know, there are two effects of believing in Jesus. One is that, that our heart is loosened to the, the relationship to things. The other one is it is tightened to the relationship to people. And I think it's what we're getting ready to see in this, this story that's coming up. How, how sometimes we want to hold on to things, and other times we, we want to love people, and we are, are caught in there. Uh, the effects of, of really believing is that whole thing is that we loosen up, and we, we have the reason to, to love. Uh, I had here, because if your heart is united to, in, in love to people, then you will set loose to things because things have value only as means of loving people. Only for loving people. For loving God and, and people. So in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, we're going to start reading. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power... The apostles were given their t testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds to what was sold, 
and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed as each as to as any had need. You know, faith in the promises of God's fatherly care frees us from fear, frees us from anxiety, and therefore it gives us a freedom from things. And it gives us a freedom to or for people and freedom to or for love. Uh, what this is as kind of a, a backdrop of what we're going to be studying of why do people give? Why do I give? Is it because I am told I, need, I have to? Or is it something from within? You know, part of the Christian life is not a, a matter of external conformity uh, to religious expectations, but it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of how our heart has been changed and it just overflows. And I hope that's, that's what you get this morning. I hope that's what we all get uh, as we, we analyze our own selves. Luke goes into this and he starts saying, I'm going to give you two examples of the way to do it and the way not to do it. And the first one is uh, uh, Barnabas. He's called Thomas here. So let's look at Acts chapter 4, verse 36. Thus Thomas, who was also called by the apostle Barnabas, which means sons of encouragement, a Levite and a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas shines as one of the most mature, the most reliable, and the most lovable leaders of that whole era. All through that time when he and, and Paul would go back and forth, Barnabas would always seem to be uh, just rising up. He starts out his ministry in this act of love. This, he starts this out in saying, exhibiting, because of what I have my faith in, in the hope of God, I want to be able to give because I, I see the, the need and the love of others. Um, there is a story uh, back a, a few years ago where there was this little girl named Liza, and she had a, a, a rare and serious disease, and the only chance of recovery was a blood transfusion from her little five-year-old brother who had miraculously survived the disease and had developed the antibodies. Sounds familiar to these days, doesn't it? Well, the doctor comes and explains to this five-year-old about the situation. And he said, would you be willing to give some of your blood for your sister to save her life? And he thought about it for a moment and he said, yes, I will do it if it will save Liza. So as the, transgress, as the transfusion proceeds, um, he lay in his bed next to his sister, and as her, her skin color started reddening up and glowing, he, he was smiling. Uh, but then his, his face grew pale, and his smile faded, and he leaned over to the doctor, and he said, Will I start to die right away? You see, he had misunderstood the doctor. He thought he had to give up all of his blood for his sister. For the one he loved, that's what he was willing to give. What a show of, of love and compassion. And I think that's the same way we saw that in Barnabas. Okay, go to chapter 5. Here we go. We're going to start with the first one, first first. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, 
he kept back for himself some of the proceeds brought only and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep, keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart and, and you have not lied to men but to God? Um, then Ananias heard these words, fell down, breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. And in the next two, three verses, the exact same thing happens to Sapphira. Uh, she comes and says the same story, and Peter says the same thing, and there she goes. Um, so Ananias, as far as I stand, for the exact opposite, uh, namely people who have not been really changed on the inside, but who still want to, to, to in some place in the visible church. They have not been changed by, by the hope of what, uh, for what God has done for them and what's coming for them, and so they try to, to, to be the fake. They try to, be, to, to conjure that up. Um. So the lesson in this is faking faith in the presence of God is a fearful thing. I have often wondered, that was a pretty tough demonstration of discipline. But I, I think it's for our instruction that we should be pure. We should be transparent of what God has done inside of us. You know, the natural tendency is to put off uh, giving until you have enough. Many people say, well, if I had all these riches, then I would give a certain part. I'd give it half of it. There's a story. I'm sure it's a, sure, uh, a true story. But there was this preacher who was talking to his farmer. And he said to the farmer, Farmer, if you had $200, would you give $100 to the Lord? The farmer replied, I would. Preacher said, if you had two cows... Would you give one cow to the Lord? Farmer said, sure. If you had two pigs, would you give one pig to the Lord? Farmer just sat there for a second and he said, that's not fair. You know I have two pigs. Many of us are like that. Isn't that right? That we are easy to spend other people's money. But the things that we do have, we are reluctant. There is a, an author that I, I really like. His name is Randy Alcorn, and he has written a little book called The Treasure Principle. And I have used that many, many times in things that we've taught, in things that we have caught. Uh, and it, it kind of gives some, some little outlines to give us a, 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 a good framework on how we should give and how we should have this transparency, how if there's something inside, that it will just flow. And he divides it up into keys, and there's six different keys. I'm just going to kind of roll through these and then give some final comments at the end. The first one, key number one, God owns everything and I am his money manager. We are managers of the assets that God has entrusted to us, not given us. He has entrusted us, not given us. In Psalms chapter 24, verse 1, he says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. 
So if God is the owner, then what is my role? Do I have rights? Do I have responsibilities? Do I, have, do I fall into the trap of tipping God every now and then? Oh, by the way, God, you're doing a good job. Let me give you a little tip. Is that what he, he is wanting? Key number two. My heart always goes where I put, my, where I put God's money. There is, oh, let's go to the, the passage. In uh, chapter six of Matthew, there, uh, great, great. We just don't have time for all that. But that passage in the Sermon on the Mount where he, he goes to about the, the, the contrast of, of, of money and our treasures, uh, he says in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Um, so let's say you bought some shares in General Motors one time, a long time ago. And as you heard things happening during that industry, you would, you would read articles about it. You would read things about and try to be informed because that's where you have some of your resources there. Or let's say you invested in some of the churches in Haiti. As things happen in Haiti, your heart and your eyes are turned to that situation or, or wherever you have put that. Say it's in the center for pregnancy. When you see things happen in that era, in that area, you are very attuned to that. It might be something physical. I have always said, the th- as many things as you own, those things seem to own you. If you have a house that you have to take care of or, or things like that, eventually it's going to always be calling you back. And I think it's a, a principle as, as we use the, the things that God has given us, we need to be paying it forward, and we'll be seeing that in just a moment. Uh, as surely as the gospel, as the compass needle follows north, your heart will follow your treasure. Money leads, hearts follow. Key number three, heaven, not earth, is my home. In Hebrews 11, uh, verse 16, it is, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. And there was a paraphrase in another one that says, we are citizens of a better country, a heavenly one. Um, sometimes we get we get things turned around. We we say we're living for today, and we're not living for for what's what for what's coming. More on that coming as well. Key number four. I should live not for the dot, but for the line. So Randy Alcorn does an illustration uh, about where we live. Like if you had a big graph, and where we live, there's a dot, and eternity uh, after we die is. The line just keeps going and going and going. So it's a very, very long line. Sometimes we live more for the dot right now than for the eternal things. We, we can't get, we, we, we lose the wrong emphasis. The emphasis is, is on the wrong syllable. It's supposed to be syllable. <laughs> so, um, if God were to audit my finances, would he conclude that I live more for the dot or more for the line? Look at your checkbook and see what that looks like. Okay, number five. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. It dethrones me and it exalts him. Money is not all I can give. I can give time. I can give wisdom. I can give expertise. 
But all these different things that God has entrusted, has entrusted for a period of time, for this dot time for eternity, we are the stewards. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich, which we are all rich, in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Key part, put their hope in God. Put our trust. What, I, what my really deep down desires really come down to what will fulfill those things? Sunday school answer is, it's God. And as we work that out, it comes out to his promises. Do we believe in the promises that he has given us? Do we, do we live that out? You know, there are many roadblocks to giving. You have unbelief, you have insecurity, you have pride, you have idolatry, you have desire for power and control. I think probably in, in light of all those things, probably one of the biggest Roadblocks is the illusion that earth is our home. That we think this is it. Um, The vivid reminder is that it's all about God and it's not about us. Key number six. God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. God gives us more money that we need so that we can give generously. Chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest for your righteousness. of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. It has been said that he who lays up treasures on earth spends his life backing away from his treasures. To him, death is lost. But to the one who lays treasures in heaven, looking forward to eternity, he's moving daily toward his treasures. To him, death is gain. So what is this? How can we? Break this down to to the, how does it apply? First of all, let's be a Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. Second of all, let's just see where our heart is. Um, look and let's look around. Ask the Lord to reveal who, what what is going on with 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 me and my the things that you have entrusted. And how does that look that that you are my only hope? And then. Lastly, I want you to, as you look at what your, where your heart is, you know, I've heard it said that God created us with what we call a God-sized hole in our heart or in our soul. And the only thing that can fill that is the presence of him and hit the hopes that he has for us. We try to fill it with all kinds of things, achievements, money, possessions, all those things, and all of it fails. All of it is temporal. As much as it feels good at the moment, it always disappoints. It may seem to, to be fun for a little while, but there's, there's a disappointment that almost, it is always 
comes out like that. And until that void is filled with that relationship with Jesus Christ, then it will always be empty. So I'm going to come to you this morning and say, if you have that emptiness that has not been filled with the love of Jesus Christ, we want you to know about it. We want to spread that gospel so that you can know that. This, this lesson or this talk is not how to be a better giver. It's how to be a better believer in what, you, what is in your heart. The, the, the giving is just an overflow of what he's done on the inside. So as I pray, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for me too. But I'm going to pray that the Lord will illuminate our hearts so that we will be more alive and more aware of the changes inside that need to be done. It's easy, sometimes it's easy, to make changes on the outside. But if it's not from an inside out, it will not last. Father, I thank you for your word. Even though it's a hard word sometimes, I pray that, that we will see uh, where we are with you, that we will not be found to be fake, that we will be found to be genuine, and then it will come through, through our speech, through our giving, through, through the, our boldness. Help this to be about you and not about us. Lord, I'm, there, there may be some that are listening today who have never had that relationship and say, I, I want that. I pray that you will... will Give them the boldness to be able to, to, to come forward with you and, and see what you have for them through a relationship through Jesus Christ. We love you with a passion. We want to honor you with all that we do. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus who died for us. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. And I pray that as we go through this walk that we will do it together and we will encourage one another. God bless you.